the baby boomers led waves of dramatic culture changes. Their voices raise awareness of consumerism, retirement programs, higher education, health care, and civil rights transformations. Now, the baby boomers have reached an age where it is our turn to give back to them for their voices, their struggles, and their footprint on the society we benefit from today. Boomer Living Podcast is dedicated to the support and the enhancement of senior living and the baby boomers' needs and demands. We welcome conversations between caregivers, providers, gerontologists, geriatricians, neurologists, technologists, developers, and operators with one objective to serve our baby boomers. By bringing together these experts and the baby boomers' families, we can share our knowledge that will educate and inspire others on how to care for the baby boomers. We are a social platform that focuses on the respect and care of this aging population that gave their youth and their wisdom to the society we benefit from today. I appreciate that you're here on Boomer Living to share with us your work on dementia. Can you give us a little bit of um, history about your journey, mm-hmm. what you've been doing and how you got here and what projects are you working on right now? Sure, so I always like to say I'm a dementia and creative engagement specialist, but I'm also the granddaughter of someone who lived with fast healer dementia. And so my journey with my grandmother when she was diagnosed in 2005 very much informs the work I do now. However, that story started back when I was in sixth grade. Uh, We were learning about Alzheimer's in science class and jokes were made about it's old timers disease. And as a sixth Mm -hmm. grader, not fully understanding what is dementia, what is Alzheimer's, it didn't sit right. And so I knew at that point that in some way dementia, living in service of those living with dementia was going to be a part of my journey. And I always at that point thought it would be in the form of volunteer work volunteering at assisted livings and skilled care. And it wasn't until I discovered the creative arts therapies and how that can intertwine with the dementia journey that I discovered that this might also be a professional path. So I went on to get my undergraduate degree in art therapy and further studies in drama therapy. And it was through that work that I really saw the power of creativity and how when we use creativity and entered creative engagement, the quality of life started to increase. Falls were decreasing. People were needing less medication. They were talking about less pain. And so through the studies of being a creative arts therapies and entering a life enrichment specialist, I ultimately branched off on my own what I do now with the Dementia Letters Project to help walk with those on their dementia journey, whether they're a care partner or someone living with dementia, to use creative engagement as a part of their continued story. Congratulations on your discovery of your passion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's awesome that what you experienced at a young age and how you took that and now making an impact and turn that around to something positive and to Mm -hmm. share with others to make an impact on the aging population. Mm -hmm. So that's great. So let me ask you, how do you see creative engagement as a way to become relational with those with dementia. Yeah, so a lot of times how you see interactions, particularly in the long-term care settings with CNAs and nurses, is that it's still a task-oriented relationship. And so there's a knock on the door, you know, hi, Mary, I have your medication for today, or it's time to get ready for 
a doctor's appointment. And oftentimes you see when the person is living with dementia, there's they hit a brick wall because they've disrupted the space. They the person may not remember who that CNA or who that nurse is. And so there's a discomfort there. Creative engagement can help frame that interaction in a way that taps into that emotional memory of somebody. It's something that I discovered early on when my one of my jobs as a life enrichment specialist, I was being introduced to the different residents on the floor. And there's one woman that I was warned about, which I didn't particularly care for. All the warnings I got, how she doesn't want to engage with anybody. She doesn't come to events. She's a disruptor. She has behavioral issues. But really, she didn't have anybody that was entering into a relationship with her where she was at that point in her life. And so there was one day I had a little time. I sat down with her and we were just looking out the window and no conversations were had, but I did that again the next day and the next day and the next day. And finally, we had a breakthrough where she made a comment about what was going on outside the window. It was spring and uh, we were in Wisconsin at the time. And so winters can be long and dark and gloomy and all of a sudden life was happening outside the window. And so we just talked about the springtime and then she mentioned that she loved poetry. And so I asked her, who's your favorite poet? And she said, Robert Louis Stevenson. And at that Mm. point, she clicked something with me because my mom read his poetry to me when Mm. I was little. So I was scrolling through my mind, trying to remember any part of his poems. And all I could remember was, I have a little shadow. But she remembered the rest of the poem and immediately clicked in and recited the rest of the poem. And although she was in that stage of dementia where conversations were not always linear, Sometimes she didn't remember where she was or who was on the floor with her. Every time I would go up to her after that, I would greet her, I'd say my name, and then I'd say, I have a little shadow. And in that moment, she recognized that I was somebody she could trust. And we were able to engage her, and she was able to be involved in the different programs. She was able to go down to movies, to have friends at lunchtime now because of just tapping into that creative process and that emotional memory and exploring ways that we can, a new ways that we can become in relationship with each other. Yeah, that's great. That moment of recognition, the discovery, the connection that you Mm -hmm. bring out, that's magical because Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen enough. It may not even happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I only can speak from my personal journey it's very difficult when your loved one is in a later stage of dementia mm-hmm. where words are very limited to none and mm-hmm. um, you have to read each other's mind and you have to, the bottom line is you got to be where your loved one is. Yes. You, you, you can't, you can't have them go along with what you want. Mm-hmm. You have to go along with their story, their journey, their mind, all those mm-hmm. drifting. Mm-hmm. You've got to be there. I think it's great. I appreciate mm-hmm. what you're doing. Now, let's say, what do you think is a proper framework for creative programming in a care setting? In other words, does it vary based on if the dementia patient is living at home or at a senior living community? I don't think so. I think when we think of creative engagement, um, we need to think that creativity is more than the arts. So if a person was an accountant, They use creativity in how they approach their job. If they were a school teacher, if they were a farmer's wife, that there's many ways to look at creativity and 
take elements of what they loved about their vocation and put it into something you can do together. Sometimes that's playing cards. I've noticed a lot of accountants, you give them a deck of cards and we can play instead of saying, oh, we have to go play bingo. That may not be as engaging as playing with cards. The other side of that is also, there seems to be this unfortunately growing trend of labeling everything as therapy. So if we're doing a creative process, if we're doing an art project, if we're engaging in music or movies, it's suddenly therapy. And what that is doing is it's not only furthering the fact that they are now in this highly medical setting, especially if they're living in care, if they have in-home health aides coming in, their life is already in this medical framework. Mm -hmm. And by framing something as just something that they may have always enjoyed, sitting down to paint, by calling it therapy, you're stripping them of just the joy of painting. That is so true. That is so true. And and I don't like that either because mm-hmm. you're taking an opportunity of enjoyment, connecting, relating, more like a hobby, mm-hmm. artistic, something that's fun. And to mm-hmm. put a label that to be therapy, mm-hmm. mm, then I guess in their world, it's looked at as what's wrong with them yes. as opposed to what matters to you. Mm-hmm. What matters right now is that I am enjoying my drawing um, playing cards, you know what I mean? So there's mm-hmm. a difference of looking at all the things that's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But instead, I think we should look at it, what really matters to you and dig in, reach mm-hmm. in from, and, and bring them out or to bring the tasks that they love to do. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't like the word therapy because not everything about them and what they do is around medical. It could right. be just pure enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it then also strips those who have gone on to become creative arts therapists, getting their master's, going through the licensure, you're stripping them of their toolkit that they can use when a person might actually need a therapeutic intervention. Because we also know that dementia doesn't automatically erase all past ills, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, that sometimes those also need to be addressed. And creative arts therapists are in this beautiful position to help them when that is needed. And you're by calling everything therapy, you're stripping them of the beautiful work that they have trained very hard to be able to do. What is the role? Perhaps this this goes in line what you've already started to talk about. But what is the mm-hmm. role of the arts to transform the current narrative of dementia and aging? Yeah. So the arts, pulling it back on a broader scale, when we look at how dementia and aging is portrayed in all forms of media, be it a movie, a television show. Uh, a lyric in a song, a journalist on TV, the arts and and that creativity have the ability to take this negative narrative that we currently see time and time again. And the joking of getting old, the joking of, oh, if I get dementia, just kill me off. The arts, by reframing that and putting a new narrative in front of its audience, whether they're listening to it or watching it, can over time change that. And we can finally see that, oh, there is joy in dementia. Oh, there is a way that we can live fully alive no matter what our the final chapters of our lives look like, whether they have dementia or not. And they are in a very powerful position to, to do that. And I think we need to take steps forward in creating art that is more age positive and dementia positive. That doesn't erase the fact that there is still suffering, there is still struggle and pain to growing older, to living with dementia. 
but there's also this other side of the coin that we have to recognize and that should be what we recognize first. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I hear everything that you're saying. We're all going to hopefully live longer. Mm-hmm. Perhaps more will have the age, the illnesses that comes with aging, whether it's dementia or something. Mm-hmm. But we all want to die with dignity. All right. So yes. just because you have dementia or, or any other uh, sort of aging illness, that doesn't mean that it's over. If I have dementia, just kill me already. I mean, that what a horrible outlook. Mm-hmm. And it's very derogatory to folks yes. with dementia. So I think dignity, I believe, first and foremost. But I think also the later parts of life, I think it's wonderful if your family, your caregivers, clinicians, and so forth can work with the family and work with the loved one to still celebrate and honor. The key is celebrate, honor, and respect because they still have those memories and Mm -hmm. they still come back to those memorable times in their lives. Even Mm -hmm. though it may not be verbal, Mm -hmm. it it takes a special heart to understand and appreciate that and bring the beauty out of it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, uh, personally, I did not see any beauty from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very agonizing. And I just hope what you are doing and the folks out there bringing light to dementia is that we're offering education Mm -hmm. uh, for folks to be prepared and embrace it instead of being shameful about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll be better off if many folks are able to take on that attitude. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so now, what is your personal take as far as aging in your own life? I see, I've, because I've always connected much more strongly with people generations older than myself, I've always had this I guess you could say positive framework of aging that yes, okay, the body and the mind do decline a little bit, but I, I see the great joy and how my life was enriched because I was able to know my great grandmother, because I was able to connect with my grandparents, even though they were living in skilled care, even though my grandmother had dementia. And because of those experiences and that understanding that there is still joy there, I think aging, aging is this, you know, some people say it's, it's like a library. When you deny conversations and relationships with those, the older generations, you are, it's like burning down a, down a library. And that's how I view it because their life, they experience things that I will never experience. Even if there may be overlapping themes or type of ex- experiences, it's not going to be the same because it's not the same time, the same people that surrounded them. And there's, there's a wealth of knowledge that we can learn by, by growing older. And then we are the ones who find ourselves in that older category by sharing that with younger generations, by connecting with them. That is the greatest gift that we can then pass down. Maybe when we can't do other things, our stories and our perspective on life and what we went through and what we survived can only enrich our culture and our world as we build on those stories. That's awesome. You sound like you have an old soul, (laughs) which is great. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think folks that have a good connection in caring for their parents or grandparents, Mm -hmm. they have the wisdom and the the heart in wanting to serve the older adult. It, It just shows. So I think that's great. Now, what is the importance of the care partner story to you? Yeah. So 
a lot of times we see, and this is more the framework of those living in skilled care or assisted living, we see care partners, so spouses, children, grandchildren coming in and spending time and then leaving. And if we pay attention to those individuals, we realize that they need us as much as the residents or clients in our care. And they don't often have a chance to really share their story that in a way that really puts their journey in perspective of joy. It's all about the person living with dementia, the person in the care community, and that is important, but we need to balance that out um, because there is caregiver burnout. There is regrets because they didn't, they felt that they did something wrong by putting their loved one into a, a care community, or they did something wrong because they weren't there every day after day, that they also went out and had lunch with friends, or they saw a doctor for themselves. And so we need to recognize their story and what they're going through as well, because they're also human beings worthy of dignity and a life fully, fully alive. And we need to do a better job at recognizing those stories and bringing them to light so that we can be one larger community walking together be it on the dementia journey or just through aging. That's wonderful that you said that. Obviously, there's a, there's care, there's attention on your loved one, your mm-hmm. parent or your grandparent. But there is the other side that the family member that's not really talked about or cared for. Mm-hmm. And often, they're the ones that are left with frustration, maybe even shameful, and guilt. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the guilt is, like you said, depending on the culture, there's a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. Because typically they're taught um, to care for their loved ones and not place them into a facility, a community, and so forth. So that's mm-hmm. very difficult to do. And it creates a lot of strife in the family mm-hmm. to come to that uh, recognition that that's the next step. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think it's important not only to care for the loved one, but also the family members, because there's a mm-hmm. lot of, there's a lot of guilt, a lot of strife. Mm-hmm. Because they're making adjustment in learning to accept and care. Mm-hmm. And also all the methods that you are describing, they now have to learn to reach into their loved one. I'm speaking firsthand here. Yeah. There was a lot of strife. There's a lot of sadness. But like I said, it, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey because wherever you start, and hopefully by bringing this topic to light, I hope that many people will be farther ahead and know what to expect and be prepared. I -hmm. certainly was not. So knowing what to expect, I think the sooner you embrace it and just skip over the part of being shameful, Mm -hmm. you you just have a longer time to celebrate your loved one. Yes. Okay. So let me ask you this. How can connections be built with people with dementia specifically to letter writing? Okay. Yeah. Letter writing has been the the platform that a lot of my work has been over the last few years. When I was still working as a life enrichment specialist, I recognized that there were some people living with dementia or not that wanted to share their story, but didn't know how, were afraid to talk because they couldn't share their story in a linear way, or they were afraid they were going to forget some things. And I noticed that there was also a lot of talk about reminiscing about the letters that were were exchanged amongst family members, be it a soldier off at war and you know the anticipation of receiving a letter back or with grandchildren or sending postcards to family and friends. And so I wanted to tap into 
that love of letter writing and also the desire to share their story. And so I created a life enrichment program that I titled the Dementia Letters Project. And we would sit down and I do it one-on-one or maybe there'd be maybe maximum three people and we would write letters. Sometimes I would have to be the one writing it, other times they would. And sometimes the letters were actual words, other times it was collage pieces from magazines. And just getting those emotions and that that desire to share something, their story out onto a piece of paper, even if that piece of paper was never sent to anybody, was thrown in the trash as we left that day or put in a drawer to be discovered years from now by loved ones. There was great power and joy and people started asking me, can I write a letter? Can I write a letter? And so I saw that this was something that needed to be even greater. And so I, I then not only named it gave it the name of the, of the work that I do today, but I also started incorporating, you know, the CNAs and the nurses and the family members coming in that they can write a letter and it can be to dementia, dear dementia, I hate you. This is what you've stolen from me. Or it could be dear grandchild. This is what I've learned over the course of my life. I am sad that dementia has stolen some of the connections and the memories that we could have made together. But this is my life story and it can be broad or it can be short. And it didn't matter if somebody was just witnessing me writing down their story or doing it themselves. They were able to have engagement. And I noticed also when I left that people would say, but dinner time, they were still talking about what you did with Mm -hmm. them. Or the, the next day I'd come, oh, we had a great day yesterday, didn't we? Even if they didn't remember that we wrote a letter, there was something about that process that, again, tapped into that emotional memory that said, I did something good and valuable, and this is somebody that I can now call my friend, can call a peer, can call a support person that I can now lean on. And so it's a great tool. It's a very simple tool, pen and paper, some magazines, and it's something that you can keep private or you can sh- send off and share with others. And I, I noticed that during that time, there's sometimes we try to overcomplicate our interactions, especially those living with dementia. That needs to be, we need to bring in this scientifically proven program or we need to do this. It has lots of research. And that's not, I don't knock research and diminish that at all because that is powerful. We do need that, but not everything we, we do needs to have research behind it to be proven to build connections to build community and to build a sense of self-worth when dementia may have tried to take that away from an individual yeah that's beautiful everything that you're saying i am with you (laughs) i noticed when my mom just grabbed pen and paper and started writing Mm -hmm. even though her thought process was scattered Mm -hmm. oh my gosh the uh, the choice of words were beautiful Mm-hmm. The spelling was perfect. Now the thought was scattered. Yeah. But when I read that, I just felt she's there. Like what she wrote about, she was there. I think it's great that obviously you share this with many forums and many patients and clients. Mm-hmm. But I think it's wonderful. You don't want to learn this firsthand. You want to be prepared and correct and honor and celebrate their lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you would like to share? I don't think so. I guess if if people want to get in touch with me, they are more than welcome to uh, do that 
obviously things are all virtual right now, but I have moved my entire portfolio, my entire art bin online. If they want to learn more about how to write letters with loved ones, they can reach out to me if they're interested in having training and creative engagement, because it is something that sometimes it's a little bit of a guide, a little bit of guidance, a little bit of reframing to see all that it can do. I'm available for that. And they can find me at DementiaLettersProject.com. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and the work that you do. Thank you. And I think it will impact many. And I hope that many will be listening to take your lessons learned and mm -hmm. this passion that you have in helping folks with dementia and their loved ones. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Boomer Living Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, boomerliving.tv, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other platforms. This way, you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate a rating in iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us tremendously. Be sure to tune in weekly for our next episode. And remember, growing old is the purest and the most positive experience of human existence.